Good morning. I was talking to Charlotte, and we're trying to decide if we're going to go to that marriage thing because she has the perfect husband, <laughs> and I have the perfect wife. And my son has returned home, and he would testify to that, right, Trev? Yeah. We're in First Peter. We're going to talk this morning about uh, responding to evil by doing good, and I was thinking another title could have been responding to evil by responding to God. And so in preparing this, we're going to spend a little more time at the end responding to God in worship. And this psalm that he quotes in 1 Peter, our passage, is from Psalm 34. So I want to, I want to read our passage. Would you stand as we, as we read the word? But then we're going to do something a little different. We haven't done it. We used to do it a few times, but we're going to have a responsive reading through Psalm 34, which we'll put up on the screen. But in 1 Peter chapter 3, 8 through 12, you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, or your device. If you would read along with me as I read, I'm, I'm in the New King James Version, responding to evil by doing good. So he says there, verse 8 of 1 Peter 3, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may, be a may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his lips, his tongue from evil, and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So those last verses are all right directly from Psalm 34. So let's read it responsively. I'll read the first and odd verses. You read the bolded ones. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Evil shall slay the wicked, 
and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. So Lord, we bow before you in humble prayer, requesting that by your Holy Spirit, you would grant us ears to hear the things that you want to speak into our hearts, our minds, our lives this morning. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We understand, Lord, our need to be fed. Your word, it's a lamp to also be lightened. And just do the things that you do by your Holy Spirit through the word. So, Lord, the things I prepared, please break them fresh. We're hungry. We want to know you. We want to walk with you. We certainly want to be obedient to you. And so, Lord, we know that the work that you're doing in sanctifying our lives is through the power of the Holy Spirit to those of us who have received you as Lord and Savior. My prayer, Lord, our prayer is for anyone watching, anyone here that doesn't know you, that by your Holy Spirit, again, you would convict them and draw them to you who loves them, died for them, and desires to have this relationship with them that you created them for. So draw them to yourself, draw us to you, and bless this time in your word. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. You can be seated. So there's this song that was, I forget, probably in like the 70s, by a guy named Bob Bennett. It was called Madness Dancing. And I love this, but let me read you the lyrics. In the middle of this madness, I am dancing. Though I'm not sure why just now. I tried to be sober, tried to be logical, but I could not stop my feet. I know I have not turned off my mind. I know there's evil all around me. But for now, it's outside and I am in my room and joy is like a crashing tide. He goes on with this. I don't want to burn no books, don't want to argue rock and roll, I don't want to shoot anyone with my high-powered doctrine gun. Let the madness roll on like a savage beast, no one will miss me for half an hour at least. A song came this morning and woke me, and I listened, then I found that I was not alone. I was standing, moving, dancing, dancing on holy ground. In the middle of this evil madness, we have this capacity given to us through the gospel to know God and worship him. And as I was preparing this message, I believe the Lord would have us today be able to just trust him, let go of things, and worship him. And we'll look at that as we go. Now, we know there's evil all around us, and so much more is our need to lift our hearts, our hands, our minds to God in worship. He is worthy to declare him our praises intentionally. To continually offer the sacrifice of praise, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Have you done that recently? Have you found a place where you can just worship God and realize he's there in the midst of all of it? Psalm 34 talks about that. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. We know there's evil all around. And so we will not put our heads in the proverbial sand, ignoring evil, being ignorant of evil, or fearing in the face of evil. We're believers. The God we serve is the God who is greater than all the forces of evil combined and aligned against us. Would you say amen? It goes like this. You are of God, little children, have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Would you say amen again? We serve an omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God who is for us, not against us. So much the more is our need, listen. So much the more is our need 
to be encouraged, educated, and equipped in the context of Christian community and as the expression of God's love through the gospel. I want to read that again. So much more is our need to be encouraged, to be educated and equipped in the context, listen, as believers, in the context of Christian community and as the expression of God's love through the gospel. I hope this morning encouraged you in that way. Hebrews 10 says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is what? Faithful. And let us consider one another. There's that one another again. In order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assemblies ourselves together and so much more as you see the day approaching. We need to be together. We need to be equipped. We need to be educated. And we certainly need to be encouraged. So yesterday, we had our second ABCD group. Now, if you don't know what that is, it's a book club discussion, ABCD group. To discuss a book, the title of which is Practical Guide to Culture, Helping the Next Generation Navigate Today's World. I appreciate what Sophia was praying. Because yesterday we spent two hours together and a lot of the vibe, if you will, the prayer vibe, was praying for the younger generations of our nation. And so after taking a few weeks to read the book individually, we gathered to share our takeaways, next steps, and spent time praying together. It was super encouraging. Now, our first book, and I've talked a little bit about this. Some of you don't know about it, but this ABCD group. Our first book, which was October 2020, and we met in February, so about a four-week, four-month time of reading it, many different people reading it, was called Live Not By Lies by Rod Dreher. Again, super encouraging, super educating, super equipping. It was great. Our next book, and I want to share this to you this morning. If you're interested, you email me, and I'm happy to have you join our group. But I need you to email me, kevin at ccskent.org. Our next book is called Fault Lines. It's the social justice movement and evangelicals looming catastrophe. Now, before you shut me off, if you have already, please, what we're seeking to do is be educated by people who know what they're talking about. And the, the writer of this is Vadi Botchman. So we're going to be meeting probably in, I'm guessing, mid-June. So the book is brand new, just came out. So you need to get that book, read it, and then we're going to come together for the simple purpose of educating ourselves, understanding the things, issues, uh, being equipped with those things, and encouraging one another, and then, for sure, praying together. Now, this is a scripture that I think has been just a centerpiece for me in dealing with the things that we're dealing with, I'm dealing with. Paul told Timothy, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but how? Be gentle to all men, able to teach, willing to yield, full of mercy. I got two scriptures mixed up here. In humility, correct in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance, the knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses. And escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Now that's talking, I believe, mainly to believers that are getting caught off. And we all have, 
How many of you would say this has been a very difficult season? You don't have to raise your hand because all of you would raise your hand. It's been tough. But what we're not trying to do in any of these matters is have ignorant disputes and avoid, but says don't avoid them. But in humility, let's talk. In humility, let's read. In humility, let's get educated. And let's do that in the context of Christian community for the sake of the expression of God's love through the gospel. And yesterday, the same thing happened. It landed back on the gospel. So respond to the evil by doing good. The word evil in 1 Peter is found eight times. But it's interesting, it's also found six more times. Inside other words, five of those are revile, R-E-V-I-L-E, R-E-V-I-L-E, Hanker. Need to take a spelling class. But the other one that's interesting is devil. It's D, evil. So it's found, if you would do that little search and and replace, it's found a total of 12 times, this, this word evil, buried in the devil, reviling, but then evil itself. It means worthless. It means depraved. It means to be bad or harm or, or uh, to be in, make something uh, invaluable. The word, it's called kakos in Greek. It opposes what is righteous. It opposes what is fair. It opposes what is advisable or what's good in character or counsel. It's evil. It is, opposes what is beneficial. It opposes what is useful. What is good in action. So you have the contrast. There's good and there's evil. And they both are there. So the word good is found 15 times. Doing good. Good conscience. A, that which is good. Good works. Good days. Good conduct, good stewards. All, this is in Peter. So this morning, what we want to do is look at this whole thing of responding to evil. How? By doing good. So as a Christian, doing good is not to be a dreaded task that I resist or resent doing. But doing good is, is a responsive willingness to obey God and by him to be blessed in so doing. So our motivation is because God has built it into us that this is how he blesses us. So it says there, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. How? By doing good in responding to evil. So thanks be to God. No matter what the evil, we can respond to him in worship, in prayer, and in obedience. So it goes like this. I say God is good and you say, okay, so obviously you have not been trained yet. (laughs) I say God is good and you say, okay, it needs to have a little more passion to it. God is good. And I say all the time and you say, should we try that again? God is good. All the time. That's what we want to leave with today. God is good all the time. time. Three things I want to share with you briefly. Doing good is our refuge. Doing good is our response. And doing good is our rescue. I love it. Doing good is our refuge. 
Doing good is our response, and doing good is our rescue. Doing good is our refuge. Is our refuge. Fi- oh, did I say that wrong? Rescue. Okay, you got it. It's right there. You don't even have to listen to me. You just read it. Okay. <laughs> Finally, all of you, verse 8, be of one mind, having compassion for what? One another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. Very simple, very clear. In other words, the world is filled with evil, but the church should not be. The world is full of evil. This should be our refuge. The family of God should be our refuge from all evil. It should be that place where we come together in unity and compassion and love. Where we are tender-hearted and courteous, which simply means humble-minded, towards one another. That's what the family of God should be, a refuge from evil. Ephesians says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? It's very simple. He goes in, let all bitterness... Wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking, we'll talk about that in a moment, be put away from all, along with all malice and be, be kind to, again, one another. Here it is again, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ also forgave you. That is good stuff. Romans, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate, here it is again, to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to, again, one another. This should be our refuge. When we gather, small groups, train, whatever it is, it should be our refuge as believers. Doing good is our response. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for revival, but, so there's this contrary Not this, but this. On the contrary, blessing, knowing that you are called to this. When you read those things we just read in Romans, how we should be treated, that is a blessing every time. Every time. Courtesy, kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiveness. It is good. And we need that. Our response to the evil Now, there are three possible levels of return. So our first response is in returning. Now, we can return evil for good, evil for good, that is satanic. We can return evil for evil or good for good, that is human. But when we return good for evil, friends, that is God. That is divine. So Jesus is our example to follow. We read that in 1 Peter chapter 2. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Interesting, Peter picks up on both of those. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile again. When he was suffered, he did not threaten. But what did he do? He committed himself to him who judges righteously. Into your hands I commit my spirit, he said to the Father. He just committed it to God. And that's what we, when evil is coming, we need to commit our lives back in his hands. And not take that into our own hands. For he who would love life, Psalm 34, verse 10 of Peter. 
and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. You know what? We could spend like the rest of our lives talking about these little things that are right here. This unruly evil, full of deadly poison. We could spend like every day talking about it. So our response is not only in returning, but in refraining our lips and our, our tongue and our lips. How many of you got that mastered? Our tongues and our lips need no help in reacting wrongly. In fact, I would say in reacting embarrassingly, terribly. James had a lot to say about the tongue. Like I said, we could... He says there, My brethren, let not many become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is, is a perfect man or complete man, able to bridle the whole body. So this little thing here called the tongue is able to master our lives. So we sin in many things, but the most common prevalent sins are the sins of our tongues. They are the hardest to control. And yet, they must be brought under control. The ability to control one's tongue is the ability to control one's body. That's what James is saying. It's an amazing statement, actually. A person who bridles the sins of his tongue is a person who's also able to bridle the sins of his body. Such is the power of the tongue. Have you thought about that recently? Our tongues are either under control or they are in control. Our tongues are either under control or they are out of control. That's the power of the tongue. So James tells that the tongue cannot be tamed. But listen, he's not saying it can't be controlled. Understand that. This thing is going to be what it is in my mouth, flapping. He gives us three illustrations. The bit in the horse's mouth, it's a little thing. The rudder of the ship is a little thing. And the fire that starts out just a little flicker. These little things either are under control or they are in control. They are either the horse, that ship, or that fire is under control or it will be out of control. When the tongue, and he makes mention this little thing, is in control, like the little bit and the little rudder, it has the power to turn and direct the actions and course of my life. Now, I don't know if you've connected those two, but that's exactly what James said. And it's interesting, in Psalm 34, as he's quoting it, this comes up again, and it comes again all over the Scriptures. Out of the mouth is the proceeds what's in the heart. However, when the tongue is under control, it cannot. So he says, turn. It's with the horse, a little bit turns or controls that powerful body against its will. The horse. That little bridle 
controls that powerful body to direct it where it doesn't want to go. The will. That little rudder on that huge ship steers the little huge ship, this little rudder, steers that, little, that large ship so that it is going to go against the wind that would change the course. So it turns something that would willfully and naturally go contrary to the direction the rider or pilot would want it to go. If that horse wanted to go the way of the rider, you wouldn't need a bridle. If that ship wanted to go against the winds, you wouldn't need a rudder. But the fact is, that's what makes the difference. And the difference is made by who's got control of the rudder. Who's got control of the bridle? It's the rider. Thus, the application for us is, do you have control of your tongue? Because in a fallen nature, this tongue is willfully going against. It's willfully wanting to go naturally against the winds of our fallen nature. Both little things overcome contrary forces. So I could go on with this because I think it's amazing. But let me just say this. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, the message of this passage in Peter, Psalm 34, is you need to get control of your tongue. And you say, well, that's, not, that's impossible. I said, no, it's not. When you're yelling at your kids and someone calls, you answer the phone. How are you doing? Oh, great. There it goes. See, we really can when we have to. So the question is, are you, in a sense, mastering your tongue? Am I mastering my tongue? Or is it still flapping? It cannot be tamed, but it must be controlled. Our tongues are like little sparkies. The fire. You know, when a little cigarette butt lands on the side of the road and then it gets the grass on fire, and pretty soon it's destroying millions of very valuable lumber in homes. Started off this little thing. And our words fuel the fire. It's time to say, hold on a second. <clears throat> but better to say, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> Here's James' theology on the tongue. We'll move on. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. We have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. So let's tuck that away as something the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. Get control of your tongue. Kevin, get control of your tongue. Here's a little poem. If your lips would keep from slips, five things to observe with care. To whom you speak, of whom you speak, and how, and when, and where. And everyone said, okay, enough on the tongue. You've had enough. Okay. Now, here's another response. Let him turn away from evil and do good. So our response is turning and doing, turning and doing, turning away from those things. You know, it's a disparaging terminology thing when you're called a goody two-shoes. Somehow that's disparaging. Uh, how many of you remember Romper Room? You are old. Because <laughs> I was a little boy growing up, 
when I would be able to watch a TV at different places, they had the, this show called Romp Room, and in it, you had these doobie do-gooders, and it was sort of esteemed, the little kids, the doobie do-gooders. May I say to you, God tells us to put on our doobie good, doobie good, doobie do-gooder, goody two-shoes. <laughs> Esteem it, put them on, man. Doobie do-gooders, yeah, I'm a doobie do-gooder. I don't even know what the song was like. So here, here's, I love this passage. It says, let us not grow away doing good, for in due we shall reap if we faint not. Galatians. Hebrews, therefore by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good. You can stand before the thing with your arms raised as long as you want. But what's the question? But don't forget, this is, this is something you can look good, but the question is, are you not forgetting to do good? See, that's our response. It's also seeking and pursuing. In other words, keep going for peace. Keep seeking. Stop engaging the wars and start pursuing peace. Seek it. Pursue it is what he tells us here. As much as depends on you, live peace with all men. So we, we need to be, as Jesus said, peacemakers, not warmongers. We need to say, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Make peace. Pursue it. Go after it. Pursue peace with all men, especially, he says in Hebrews, and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now notice, connected to that, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up inside you defiles many. You see, we need to pursue peace. We need to seek to reconcile relationships and do these things in such a way that we're not holding bitterness and it begins to defile many others. That's not good. Finally, doing good is our rescue. I love this. It's our rescue. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cries. But the, Lord of, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. In other words, God's ever watchful oversight of our lives. So good, because he's good. That God always is aware and hears our prayers. I'll tell you, my greatest refuge is a prayer meeting. Because there I cry out to God, and he hears my prayers. It's so good, a good place to be. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Vengeance mind says, Lord, I will repay. It's, that's God's business. You see, the Lord sees, the Lord hears, and when there is evil, the Lord sees it and he turns against it to end it. And that is coming completely when the kingdom arrives, to end it. But God is always seeking to take us through these matters in life to show us his ability to keep us, to hear us, and to end it. Because he's good. So, respond, it's our decision. I love what Warren Wearsby wrote, quote, We can decide to endure life and make it a burden, to escape life as though we were running from a battle, or to enjoy life because we know God is in control. 
Peter was not suggesting some kind of unrealistic psychological gymnastics that refused to face the facts. Rather, he was urging his readers to take a positive approach to life and by faith make the most of every situation, unquote. I love it. It's our decision. How are we responding to evil? How should we? First of all, by responding to God. And then by responding and doing good. And I know for my own life and I know for yours also, it is a tremendous challenge when we're facing the evils and some of those specifically and particularly in our culture today to respond, first of all, to God and then respond by doing good. By doing good. Peter is quoting from Psalm 34. When David describes what God means by the good days, the heading, this is interesting, the heading of Psalm 34 is this. A Psalm of David when he pretended madness before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. Now, in other words, David was not having a good day when he wrote the Psalm. He would love good days and see life. And he's writing this Psalm 34 as one who is running for his life from a wicked King Saul. And he had been in his place getting some food and Doeg the Edomite was a spy of Saul, sees him there. So David's running for his life and you know where he goes? To Achish, king of Gath, which was Goliath's hometown. Really? Yeah. He goes to Goliath's hometown seeking refuge. And then they say, well, hold on a second. Isn't this the one who said, Saul has killed his thousands, but David's ten thousands. And so he realized, I'm in trouble. This is not a good day. And so what did he do? He feigned insanity. And he's pretending to be insane. Not a good day. And through that, those shenanigans, it's interesting how God <laughs> delivered him from evil. And when he's feigning insanity, that was a bad omen to the king. That was considered evil itself. He said, what are you bringing this guy to my Get him out of here. Get and so David gets out. And he writes Psalm 34. So in that context, how much more wonderful is it when you read it and you hear the things that he's writing in there? Good days are not necessarily days free from problems. The psalmist wrote about fears, troubles, afflictions, and even a broken heart. How are we going to respond? Good days are not necessarily free from problems. A good day for the believer who loves life is not one in which he is pampered and sheltered, but one in which he experiences God's help and blessing because of, not in spite of, life's problems and trials. Would you take that to heart? Responding to evil, first by responding to God, and then by doing good. That's the good days. It's a day in which we magnify the Lord. Verses 1 through 3, Psalm 34. <laughs> it's the days in which we experience answers to our prayers. Psalm 34. It's the days when we taste the goodness of God palatable, digesting it. It's the days when we sense the nearness of God in the midst of all the evil. 
That's Psalm 34. So the next time you think you're having a bad day, turn to Psalm 34 and just read it. And let the Holy Spirit begin to envelop you in worshiping our good God, which is what I want to do this morning. I want to close our time in worshiping God. And I asked Sophia just yesterday, and we have a wonderful worship team. And I appreciate her and her leadership. And as I was looking for this old chorus from Psalm 34, I couldn't find it. But I came across this video from the Brooklyn Tabernacle. It was actually a song that they wrote, a song of Psalm 34. So I watched that. I'm telling you, I was in my office. My hands raised to God. As they're singing. And God inhabits the praise of his people. And as you watch this, it's about almost eight minutes. At the end, they begin just lingering after singing the song. It's fantastic. They're just lingering there. And you just hear a little of the music and you see people. And it's as though the presence of the Lord is so thick in this assembly. So I'm going to ask you to just forget about everyone else in this room. Fix your eyes on the Lord right now. There's evil all around. But here I am in this room and I'm dancing. I'm dancing. To let the distractions go for just a few minutes here and lift your heart, your hands, and worship God. Now as this thing begins to fade down, I've asked the worship to come in and sort of take us out of that into them leading us in the same song. And just, I asked Sophia if she would just minister to us, however she feels the Spirit is leading us. Because friends, we've said this before many weeks in a row now. We have so little time to stand in a room and dance and worship and say, God, you are worthy. I need to worship you. In fact, one thing that's been striking me lately, my own worship, because it says in the Psalms many times, with a loud voice, with a loud voice. And I realize, man, when you go loud, <laughs> something happens to get rid of the distractions. And just, God, you are worthy. I lift my hands and sing to you and worship you because you love me. You redeemed me. You're my rescue. You're my refuge. You're my response. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear of it and be glad. And I tell you, when unbelievers come into these rooms of worship and they see us worshiping, they begin to say, whoa. That's what we need. That's what we need. In our places that we're living in spheres of influence where there's evil all around. But listen, God surrounds us with songs of deliverance. So however you want to respond right now as this begins, if you want to stand, whatever it is, let's just make this room right now a little haven and respond to God in worship.